Thanks for joining us today. I'm Rob Parker, lead pastor at The Plant Church. Our vision is to know Christ and make him known. If you are interested in getting connected or if we can help you in any way, email us at info at theplantchurch.org. Plant family, I want to thank you for joining us on this Easter day. It is so good to be together. And we are here to celebrate the promise that Christ fulfilled in his resurrection. Now, think about that word promise. What is, what is a promise? A promise is a, a declaration, an assurance that you make with someone else that you are going to complete what you told them. And so when we think about promises, it's something that we have known about since we were little children. Think about when you were a little child, when, when your parents promised to bring you out for ice cream or, or take you to the park, and, and everything was great, until that promise was broken. Whether it started raining or, or whether there was a change in the schedule, as a child, you knew the importance of both a promise kept and also a promise broken. And so when we come to Easter, we celebrate the promise fulfilled in Christ, but when we look at the passages, it's a very different narrative in the very beginning. Now, here's what I want to talk about. We want to come and see the promise that was fulfilled in the resurrection. And here's my slogan, that a promise is a big word. It either makes something or it breaks everything. And as we come and see the promise that was fulfilled in the resurrection of Christ, we are going to see that the resurrection accomplished everything that God sent out Christ to do to give us eternity. Let's pray together. Father God, thank you for this Easter day. We gather together online to celebrate not only the death, but more importantly today, the resurrection of Christ. God, as we stop and we look at this, this moment where individuals thought that the promise was broken, would we be able to conclude and celebrate that the promise was kept? In Jesus' name, amen. Turn with me in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 28, verse 1. And it says this in Matthew 28, verse 1. Early on Sunday morning, as the new day was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went out to visit the tomb. Suddenly there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven rolled aside the stone, and sat on it. His face shone like lightning, and his clothes was as white as snow. The guards shook with fear when they saw him, and they, and they fell into a dead faint. So let's talk about the narrative before we jump into anything else. This is what we know. We know that two days earlier, this is day three, that Jesus was put to death, a horrific death. And so because of when they took the body of Jesus off the cross, not all of the burial rites were fully completed. And so Passover had come, and people had to wait to finish the burial rites. So Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to the tomb to finish which needed to be completed 
for all the proper burial rites. Now, this is very bizarre because it was several days later, and so this was not the norm, but, but yet the women were so concerned with finishing what needed to be completed that they went to the tomb. Now, they didn't go to celebrate Jesus. They went to go mourn Jesus. They went to go mourn that, that Jesus had given them these big, big promises of a new kingdom that was to come and that the Messiah had, had been there with them living and breathing and was going to start a whole new kingdom, but now those promises were gone. Because of their love for Jesus, they wanted to go mourn that which they thought was going to be fulfilled. Now, this was not the first time that the Jewish people had seen a, a potential Messiah come and not fulfill that which was promised. And so there was a mourning that God's fulfillment had not taken place yet. We see in this narrative in the very beginning that there were some really big events. There was an earthquake. There was an angel. There was a, ro a rolling away of the tomb. The, the, the guards were so overwhelmed that they fell into a dead faint. Now, this is a big moment. But when you look at the Gospels and you look at the Gospel of Matthew, the way that Jesus came into the world, why would we think that nothing big was about to happen at the end of the whole chapter and the whole book of Matthew? Really, when you look at Matthew, the way that Matthew began is exactly the way that Matthew was going to end, with a big moment, with an angelic moment, where the angel of God reveals God's plan to God's people. And so I really believe this. There are big moments in all of our lives, just like in the Gospel of Matthew. And when we have big moments in our life, moments that are supernatural, we must understand that, that God is trying to speak to us. He's trying to tell us something. He's trying to declare something. He's trying to prepare us for something next. Just as this scene had unfolded. And so there you have Marys, the Marys, and the soldiers who were in a dead faint. And this angel sitting on top of the tomb with the stone rolled away. And now you have a declaration from the angel. It says in verse 5, Then the angel spoke to the woman, Don't be afraid, he said. I know you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. Now again, let's look throughout the Gospels. Whenever there was an angel, there was always a declaration. And that first declaration was, Don't be afraid afraid. Now, why would the angel declare, don't be afraid? First, because they are in, are in the presence of a heavenly being. This angel shown as white as snow, the glory, the kavad, the, the weightiness, the maj majesty of God was all upon this angel in such a way that, that the, the ladies probably fell face down in fear and terror because they were standing in the holiness of God that was seen in this angel. But there's so much more that was going on. Remember, there was just an earthquake. Remember that the stone to the tomb had been rolled away. And remember that there were soldiers in this scene that were lying on the ground as if they were dead. There was fear all around them. 
Isn't that the exact way that these women walk to the tomb? In fear of all the promises of Christ were dead. And they were going to the tomb in fear because they had no idea what was next because they were, where they were really standing on all these promises that were supposed to be fulfilled and now everything for three years that Jesus said was going to come to fruition were buried in a tomb. And now the angel says, don't be afraid. I know you're looking for Jesus who was crucified. The tomb was a reminder to these women that the promise was broken. But here's what we're going to see. That the tomb was actually a declaration that Christ's promises had come true. Yes, at first the tomb was a sign of, of Christ's promises being broken, but now what they are about to see in their fear that the tomb was actually the symbol and a declaration of all of Christ's promises coming to fruition. So watch what the angel says next. The angel says this, He isn't here. He's risen from the dead just as he said would happen. When we study the Gospel of Matthew, there are three really big moments where Jesus declares that he would be put to death and that the Son of Man would be risen to life. He talks about the brutality and the suffering that he would go through, but he also finishes all three times, not only that he was going to be the suffering servant, but that he would be risen because he is the Messiah. And then the angel, and, and I love it, what the angel says. The angel says this in verse 6, Come, see where, the where his body is lying. Come, Mary and Mary, come, see where his body was lying. In other words, past tense. His body is no longer there. Come into the tomb. Now, if I was either Mary, I would not want to go into the tomb. I don't like graveyards. I have said this from, from the pulpit multiple times. The hardest part of my job is dealing with death. I've never fully been comfortable with death. And you would think by now, 24 years into the ministry, I would be comfortable with death. I don't like wakes, I don't like funerals, and I don't like graveyards. The only reason why I step into any of those scenes is when I can celebrate the resurrection of the body that we have in Christ. But this is a very scary, fearful moment. But the angel says, come and see where his body was once lying. You see, his promise made is his promise kept. Jesus' promise made that he made to them is the promise that he kept. And when I was studying this passage, I was reading a lot of different things, and, and I love how one author puts it is that, that the tomb was not rolled away for Jesus to walk out, because when you look at the other Gospels, his, the way that all the cloths were laid is as if, as if his body was still in the same presence but had left. He didn't unwrap himself and walk out. 
his body was supernaturally resurrected. And so when they walked in, they saw the cloth that had been lying on the tomb perfectly, where his face would have been, but the cloth would have been there instead. And so it wasn't as if the tomb was rolled away for, for Jesus to walk out. Rather, the, team, the, the stone was rolled away for this reason, to invite the women in to see that Jesus is no longer there. The stone was rolled away, not for Jesus to walk out, but rather for the women to go in to see that he's gone, he's resurrected, he has supernaturally been brought back to life. And so when the women went in, it was to affirm to the world that Jesus fulfilled exactly what he had promised. Yes, Jesus, the one who was crucified, is no longer in the tomb. Come and see. He's gone. He's alive. I love this one quote about promises. It says, keep every promise you make and only make promises you can keep. A promise made that's kept is a very powerful part of a relationship. And this is something that we need to realize, that there's something very powerful when disappointment is redeemed. There's something very powerful when, when disappointment in a relationship or in an individual, when it's redeemed. There's something powerful when a promise that has died is resurrected. And that's not only at this resurrection, but, but that's true with every relationship. That when we believe that a promise has been put to death, when that promise is resurrected, it's, it's very powerful and very affirming. Not only for you, but in the relationship that you had with that person in which you believed they had broken a promise. And so the angel invited them in to see that Jesus was gone. And the promise that he made was the promise that he kept. Let's continue in verse 7 through 8. And now the angel says, go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And he's going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there. Yes, you will see him once again, just as he told you. Remember what I have told you. The women ran quickly from the tomb. They were very frightened, but also filled with great joy. And they rushed to give the disciples the angel's message. Yes, the women were still terrified. So would we be. We would be terrified if, if we knew that someone had died and then they were brought back to life. It's something that's so inconceivable. Even though they had seen Jesus do this with Lazarus, that must have been a very frightening moment, seeing Lazarus, who was once dead, now brought back to life. And now Jesus, who was once dead, is brought back to life. But the angel says, go and tell. Go and tell. Go tell the disciples everything that Jesus had said. He had fulfilled. He is alive. 
You look at the beginning of this narrative in, in verse 1. The women were given the responsibility to finish the burial rites. They went to, to go visit a broken promise. But now that promise is redeemed. That promise is resurrected. And they are given the responsibility to go and tell that Christ is risen from the grave. That Christ has fulfilled what he had said. That Jesus had kept his promise. And the resurrection is the fulfillment of every promise Jesus made to the disciples. That's what the resurrection is. It's every promise Jesus made to the disciples. And even more so, it's every promise that God made to humanity. And so on this Easter, we come to see God's promise fulfilled. You see, oftentimes when we think about the promises of God, we, we just run through about a hundred different lists of, of things that God had said to us in the Old Testament and in the Gospels and in the epistles and the, these lists of all these promises that God has made to us. But, but let me tell you, the ultimate promise of God is Jesus. The ultimate promise of God is wrapped up in His Son. The ultimate promise of God and everything that was said in the Old Testament and the New Testament is wrapped up on this Easter message and this Easter promise. His promises are not just a list of things that we receive. More importantly, the promises of God are wrapped up in Christ and the relationship that we have with Him. And so, this is how I want to conclude our Easter promise. By looking at the fulfillment of the promise of God, of who Jesus is, because he fulfilled what God had called him to do, which is not only be put to death on the cross, but finish it all by being brought back to life through the resurrection of his body. The first promise of God that's found in Jesus is this. Jesus is our Savior. It says here in John 3.16, it says, For this is how God loved the world. He gave His one and only Son, so that everyone who believes in Him will not perish, but have eternal life. Because of the resurrection of Christ, we are given eternity. In Jesus, we have eternal life. That when we are in Christ, we are promised salvation. We are saved from the penalty of death and we are brought into the promise of eternal life. This promise is for everybody. But the question is this, will you receive that promise for yourself? Will you take that promise for yourself and say, yes, Jesus, I have eternity because I believe in the resurrection of you. And that's the first promise of Jesus. The second promise is that Jesus is our sanctifier. And what do I mean This is that by this is we get to experience the fullness of life in the present through the resurrection of Christ. 
Not only are we given a future hope of eternity, but we are given life now because it says that Jesus is our sanctifier, meaning that we are set apart. We are identified as sons and daughters of God. And we are being sanctified. We are wholly His. We are made for Him. And we now get to experience life to the fullness in the here and now. Hebrews 10.10 says, For God's will for us is to be made holy by the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once for all time. We not only experience life in the future, but we experience life and the power of the transformation that we get to have through Jesus, which is found by the resurrection of what Christ endured for us. Think about that. Too often we just think about an eternal hope, but we have a hope in the present. But there's a third promise, that Jesus is our healer. Because of the resurrection, we are granted wholeness in a broken world. We see in Isaiah 53, 5, it says, But he was pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. We look at the Gospels and we see how the disciples and those came out to see Jesus' miracles, healing the blind, healing the lame, casting out demons, making people spiritually, emotionally, relationally whole. That promise of Jesus being our healer was, was not just for them, but it's for now. We believe that we can go to God and God wants to grant us wholeness on this earth. Yes, it's a mystery, but we also know that it's a promise. Jesus is our healer. But then there's a fourth promise that's found in the fullness of Christ's resurrection. And it's that Jesus is our coming king. The very last words of Jesus is found in Revelations 22, 7. Look, I am coming soon. Jesus is going to come back again. And when he comes back, for all of us who are still alive, he's going to take us with him. There is salvation that we are rescued from death to life. There is a promise that we are given the fullness of life. There is a promise that we are granted wholeness. But there's an, there is also another promise that there is going to be a whole new heaven, a whole new earth, no more weeping and gnashing of teeth, and that we will spend eternity with Christ. And not only with Christ, but with one another for all who are in Jesus. Jesus will come back one day. It's an imminent return, meaning we don't know the time or the date, but we do know that he's coming back. Just as he was resurrected and he left, he's coming back for us. And that is part of the Easter promise. And so, as we go into a song of worship, may we stop and remember that the tomb was not a picture of empty promises. But just like the women had learned that they came and saw 
that all of Christ's promises were fulfilled in that empty tomb. Let's go to this declaration of worship as we come to remember that Jesus has fulfilled all the promises of God, both in his death and even more so in his resurrection. Let's worship together. It was great having you with us today. We do hope that this sermon inspired you to know Christ and make him known. For more sermons and resources, please visit us at theplantchurch.org.